Thank you for listening to this podcast. The Village Church provides all its resources for free. If you have been blessed by this ministry, please consider giving financially. For more information on how to give and other resources, please visit www.theville.church. God has blessed us. COVID has knocked down some traditions or whatever, made us switch up things or whatever, which we are actually enjoying. It's been good or whatever. So we're a church without walls right now. We're just moving and grooving and let the Spirit lead us. And that's been absolutely great. But this this is our first Sunday, right? Our first sermon of 2022. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's, I'm actually recording this on New Year's Day. New Year Day. What, if, what do you, I don't know. Anyway, who cares? So you get where I'm coming from on New Year's Day or whatever. So, um, I'm excited to preach this sermon to you. I'm going to be in Colossians 1, right? And so our church is in the middle of a fast going into this new year. Excuse me, we're at the beginning of the fast. Some of us haven't even made a decision about how we're going to fast. But we're leaving it up for people because our point is to draw close to God. So I'm trying to center us around texts that really um, illuminate the aspect of our togetherness with Jesus Christ and how we hold to the gospel. And so I'm going to be going through the book of Colossians um, for the next um, foreseeable, um, you know, maybe the a month or two or so to speak, or whatever, if we can get through it. Um, but this particular text I'm going to read to you is Colossians 1. Grab your Bibles. One of the themes of this year while we've been fasting was is about togetherness and intentionality. The year we had in 2021, 2020, it's been crazy. But one of the ointments that has been healing in the midst of so many hardships and hard things has been our togetherness as a church. So we want to do more of that well, and we want to be intentional about our growth um, in Christ, right? Um, because that is what holds us together. It's truly what holds us together. It is our superpower, the power of Christ that rests inside of our hearts, the gifts he, that God has given us. And so I want to encourage you more in that, but I want you to be intentional. So when you listen to these sermons, get a pen and a pad and write them down. Um, I stew over these things. I don't just fling out a sermon because oh, I got to preach a sermon Sunday. It, it's gut-wrenching for me, and, it, and it's something. It's, it means something. So document it, hold it, come back to it, pray about it, come ask me questions about it, whatever you got to do. All right, so I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to get to the sermon or whatever. I wanted to tell you that first. Colossians 1, I'm going to read this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God our Father. We always thank God the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all of the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you. Since the day you have heard it and understood the grace of God and truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. He's a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. That's our text. We're just grabbing Colossians 1 and we're going to go first from verse 1 to verse 8. But one of the things I always tell you is context is everything because context lets you know what's really moving and grooving. And so the, 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 the text here, the context here is that Paul is actually writing to the Colossians, right? He's writing to the people at Colossae or whatever, and he is, um, he starts off with this greeting. I'm going to walk you through it, but he really, he's heard amazing things about them, but he's also heard about a potential threat of heresy. 
And you won't necessarily, necessarily see it in this first part that we're about to touch, but I want you to know what's going on behind the scenes because how he's going to make this message to him is so important and you know in the context is important. So let's just break it down piece by piece. First verse, he says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, right? He's not saying by the will of God and of Timothy. He's saying, you know, he's making his greeting from Paul, an apostle of Christ by the will of God and Timothy, our brother. This is coming to you from both of us. Something I want to hit real quick, because as we're doing this thing on intentionality and in, in our growth and in, 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 in reverence for God and love for Jesus Christ and for the gospel, there's something Paul here that just caught my attention, right? Paul has a resolve about his identity and calling in Christ, right? He says that it's the will of God. He says the will and work of God the Father through Jesus Christ. And we even spoke in Philippians, whatever, when we're covering Philippians because Paul is writing from jail also. And he is like talking about how joyful he is. And he's saying, yo, y'all's relationship, the way y'all loving me in jail, is just showing me the truth of the gospel and the way I'm in jail rejoicing. And God is using it in the whole imperial guard and all the other even inmates are coming to Jesus, becoming believers and followers of Christ. I'm proving it to you. So Paul is in the same circumstance where he is writing from jail, but he makes this statement. Like, I'm here by the will of God is what he's essentially saying. But he's like, I'm called to this by the will of God. He knows this. He identifies this, right? This guy's this guy's what he does, how he does it, and who he does it for. I want you, as we step into this new year, take a minute right now. Just take a minute to ponder your calling, your identity, what the gospel has done for you, to you, and why. What does it look like to live in light of such mercy and grace with a grateful response? Us once being dead in our trespasses and now being alive in Christ to follow the path of truth, to obey God's righteous commands, to proclaim the good news of the gospel of Jesus, because that is what is true for a follower of Jesus. Perhaps you've been on kind of like, you know what I'm saying? Like maybe you've been on like cruise control and you ain't been thinking about all of these things and they don't sit on you. And I don't want you to feel it and go, oh my God, I got to get to work. But I do want you to respond and go, Father, I need to take the weightiness of that. And so don't go work, but go to prayer. Ask God to help you. If you don't feel like, man, I don't feel like this wakes up with me and I really carry this in me. I'm kind of like in like this Americanized kind of cruise control, control Christian, but it doesn't lay on me or whatever. Take that to Jesus Christ in prayer. Start the year off with that. God, help me. Help me with my love, my my desire to know you more. Um, let me not just be lukewarm in this thing, but like make me hot for the gospel. You understand what I'm saying? Like stir that thing in my soul. Ask God to do the work. You don't get the work. Ask God to do the work, right? Ask him for a resolve, for a commitment of the heart, right? In light of the grace he's given us, right? So I want to hit you with that. Paul starts off with that. He said, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, in his greeting. And he says in verse two, he says, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae, grace to you and peace from God, our father. Something I want you to catch. He calls them saints and he calls them faithful brothers. Other texts, he says, holy people. He calls them holy people. Now, here's the thing. Once again, Paul is writing them from jail. 
One of the reasons he is writing them is to confront heresy amongst them that is attempting to take root in the church. That's one of the reasons he's writing them. Nevertheless, he starts off saints and faithful brothers. In that crowd are the people who are really, really being faithful. And then there's also people who are actually a part of this acts of heresy that are actually happening, looking to take root. But he's addressing them as a whole as saints and faithful brothers. Right. The heresy involved like a blending of Greek Jewish ideas mixed with a little Christian centered perspective that was muddying the truth of Christ. And you'll see that as we travel through Colossians. But what I want you to capture in this verse is how Paul confronts the issue as if it's almost as important as the issue. Like, excuse me, the way he confronts the issue is almost as important as the issue he is confronting. Right. So that's you, you're going to see that in the text. He's leaning in with grace. He's leaning with grace, and there's so much to glean from that, whatever, even when we're dealing with people who are like, uh, you're moving kind of crazy, but like, how do you actually confront and do you deal with that? But on the flip side, Paul knows how to confront stuff and get straight at it. He knows how to get at it, whatever. We've seen him do it in other texts or whatever. In, Gal in, in Galatians 3, he starts it off and he goes straight for the throat. He says, oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Let me only ask you this. Did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish having begun by the spirit? Are you now being perfected by the flesh? Did you suffer so many things in vain? If indeed it was in vain. So he knows how to get the business. What was going on in the Galatian church is that the heresy had already taken root and they had already been bewitched and switched up in the game. But what's going on in Colossae with the Colossians is that there's a heresy attempting to take root. So Paul leans in with a different approach and he leans in with grace, right? He's going to give them room or whatever, right? He's going to give them room. Those who are guilty are recipients of this letter along with, with those who are innocent. If the truth cuts the guilty, the guilty saints and faithful brothers, they will say ouch and repent and find grace, therefore proving to be saints and faithful, or they simply will be exposed as rebellious heretics. But the way he's approaching that is so important for us to learn when we have hard things to, 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 to point to, right? Starting point is you can't be a Christian if you and he just kind of cuts their throat He gives them the credibility of being the kind of believers that hear Truth and are corrected by it and respond. That's how he leans into this. That's big for us to know He doesn't Take that route or intro that he took with the Galatians With the with the Colossians and so and he's going to remind them the reason, right? He's going to remind them the reason. Let me read this. Verse 3 says, We all thank God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. We've seen him do that in Philippians too. Paul leans in with that vulnerability like he always does. He lets them know how valuable they are, how he thinks of them, how he heart yearns for them, right? He's like, man, we think of you. We're hearing words about you. We pray for you or whatever, right? And he says, verse 4, he says, Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints. He heard about their faith in Christ Jesus and the love that they have for all the saints. He's hearing bad news, but he's hearing the reporters like, listen, their faith in Christ Jesus is perfect. It's beautiful. Their love that they have for all the saints 
it's beautiful. But the report that got to him was, there's some other heresies that are looking to muddy up the truth of the gospel that we're concerned about. And Paul is gonna lean into that in this letter to the Colossians, but he's leaning in with this grace for, first. But when he talks to them about their faith in Christ Jesus and their love that they have for all the saints, he's going to preach to them because he goes into verse five and he says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So he says, since we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So their faith in Christ Jesus is not because of them. The love that they have for all the saints is not because of them. It's because of the hope laid up for them in heaven. He says, of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, right? This hope, we got to stop and we got to zoom in on it. This hope is this craving. So when we are made new and born again, when Christ comes in and he saves us, when we hear the gospel and we believe in our faith, the gift of God, it's not because you just cute, smart, intellectually sharp, get it and everything else. And like, man, the gospel makes sense to me or whatever. It doesn't work like that. The, the, the spirit, Holy Spirit does a work in our heart and it woos us towards truth. It says we're saved by grace. It's a gift from God. So when God gave us this gift, this gift is Christ Jesus himself. It's salvation itself. It is hope. So he says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, that hope is a craving that rests inside our soul. Second Timothy 4 in the Young's Literal Translation, which I love reading Young's Literal Translation, it, it reads like this. It says, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness that the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me in that day, and not only me, to me, but also all those loving his manifestation. So like while we're on earth, we have this yearning, right? This yearning. Right now we see, you know, in an unclear way, Christ, but we're going to see him clearly one day and we yearn for it. The, the hope builds in our gut as we live in obedience to Christ um, and reverence to the Father as we trust in his promises. The world serves up a cold dish, you know what I'm saying? You could look away, you could hide from it and get your reward now, but eternity ain't gonna look so sweet, right? It's not gonna look so sweet. But if you don't look the other way, right? If you don't look away, under the veneers and filters, you will find rapid decay, appalling evil growing and death in this world. Look up under the look up under the pretty gloss on the top, and it's, you're gonna see that it's rotten, right? If you look beneath your own filters, you will find the same. That's what believers know. We've lost confidence in the flesh. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. A believer saying, God, I'm not gonna be able to stand before your throne of judgment and put forth a righteous, it's not gonna hold up. And God goes, I have a remedy for that. My son, Jesus. I've released my wrath and anger for all your sin. And I've laid it on him on the cross. He lived in light of this hope that I'm going to give to you. 
and I'll take your filthy resume and he paid the price for it and I'll give you his perfect resume of being sinless and you can enter in with that as your resume. So we live in faith of Jesus Christ. That promise is ours now. It's in us now, but it's going to fully manifest on that day when all is over, when this world gets wrapped up and the newness comes, when the Father returns, we will see him. Here's some of the beautiful things, the eternal benefits or whatever, this hope he's talking about laid up in heaven. It's eternal salvation. Some people have an eternal death waiting on them for their sin. We deserve an eternal death, but we've been given eternal salvation because of Jesus. And I don't understand why he would choose me, why he would choose you. I don't understand why these people who are on this call, on this message right now listening, why God meant for you to hear this message today, to deliver something that cannot have a price tag on it. There is nothing on this earth that you will ever look back in eternity and miss it at all. Whatever car, whatever house, whatever boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, power, nothingness. The Bible says no eye has seen and no eye has heard what the Father has waiting on us. Another thing in this hope is an abundant, uninterrupted joy. The end of death, the end of fear, the end of hate. We can't even rationalize life like that. Constantly bombarded with these things. Satisfaction, eternal satisfaction. Matthew 5, 6 says, God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, for they will be satisfied. Us that have this hope, that have received this gift of hope, we will be satisfied. It's laid up for us. The beholding will be face to face with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. No more separation. We will see face to face fully what it is. The mystery will be fully unveiled, right? As we go into verse six, it says, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and what's so crazy in this, in this craving, in this hope, is that we're not alone in this craving, right? He's gonna encourage them in verse six, right? You know, it's, it's this togetherness he's about to present is a big thing and I don't want you to miss it. Like one of the things I always tell my kids when I'm talking to them and I'm trying to motivate them, I always tell them like, yo, you're able to be crazy. Like, what do you want to do in life? What do you feel God has called you to do? I'm like, you don't have to be afraid. I say, yo, if you go do this and you wreck it, guess what? You think if you come knocking on my door, I'm not going to open it? You think you go knock on your granny's door, she's not going to open it? You, you think you're not going to knock on one of your brother's or sister's door, they're not going to open it? I'm like, yo, you're in good company. So you have room to be courageous, right? There's power in the togetherness. You got power in it. It, 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 it dilutes the attempts of fear. Like, oh, you know, it's a little risky or whatever. You know, maybe in our fear, we're like, oh, it's a little too risky. I could end up in a situation. Well, so what if you end up in a situation? I got people that have got my back or whatever, and they'll be with me if I land in a situation. I'll bounce back. I tell my kids that because I want them to be courageous. I'm like, I got you. You know what I'm saying? We'll figure it out. You understand what I'm saying? And this is what Paul does with the Colossians here, right? 
This is what he's about to do with them. He, he, so, so he comes, well, I'm going to read verse 5, I'm going to slide until he says, verse 5, he says, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Oh, this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. And then he says in verse 6, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing as it does among you since, since what? The day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. This text is magnificent. You know, the other day I was, um, I was, I was, matter of fact, I posted on my Instagram or whatever. Some of you might've seen it, but like I, I, I reposted this story and what it was, it was this Asian family and they're at the dinner table praying. And I don't know what holiday it was or whatever, but the, one of the kids wasn't able to make it home. Like the, she had, the, the, um, the text on it said that she had been away and wasn't able to make it home. And, and, um, and the family is sitting at the table. And man, when I tell you, these people are praying like so earnestly, like the mom, the father, the siblings. And during the middle of the prayer, the daughter comes in while they have their head bowed and sits down at the table. And so the father, when he gets done praying, and he is just like, thank you, God, please. I mean, they're like, really? And they're like, please watch over, please protect her. Please keep your angels around about her. About her. Please, Lord, look out for her. They're praying like that. I mean, not in a little quick prayer. And then she's sitting there when he opens his eyes and then the father starts crying. But when I saw the video, it was like, I don't know, man. It hit me in my heart because it was like, man, there are other believers out here. Like, we're not alone. There's other people who have this hope in their soul that hold on to Jesus for dear life and they don't play with it. Like, when, when I saw them praying, I was like, man, I'm like, yo, man, I'm going to turn up my reverence and my prayers up with my family. Like, man, they, they spilling out. Like, I was encouraged by it. I'm like, I don't know where they're at in the world, but like, Yo, there's people all around the world. You understand? There's people in caves right now, hiding out, smuggling Bibles. People being persecuted and killed because of proclaiming the gospel, because of being believers, just for Jesus. And it's still to the glory of God. Because God, when he, in the word, when he says, yo, oh, death, where is your sting? He's making a mockery of death when he makes that statement. Like, yo, homie, where you sting at? Even if you kill us and take us out, do you know what waits? What's laid up? The death is nothing. It's nothing. None of us going to look back with bitterness towards our death. We're going to be caught up in life. So he says, this gospel, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world. Y'all ain't alone. It is bearing fruit and increasing. Let me just make, hit you with one of the statements that's happening right here also. He's telling them the whole to that because he's about to tell them about, you know, as we go through the book of Colossians, he's also going to be telling them about this threat of heresy as well, right? But he's laying the groundwork about this gospel. You guys want to understand in the context is so important because now you understand the way he's laying out the conversation. He's edifying them first. He's telling them who they are. 
the beautiful things they've been doing it, why they've been doing it, and why that thing is so important. And don't let nothing get off course. That's why he lets the Galatians like, yo, who has bewitched you? Like y'all were running well, y'all was on it or whatever. Y'all had this same because that these, that these Colossians had and you let somebody slide in with some slick stuff and move you from the gospel to something that was false. And you let it run a number on you. It's not that grace isn't still waiting. But Paul is apostle. He wears the weight of these people. Right? He wears the weight of it. He's like, I'll take responsibility, Lord. So I'm a priest, true. I'm a protect, true. From a jail cell, I'm sending out kites. You understand what I'm saying? Sending out messages of truth. So he's doing this in such a format and tactic and precise way intentionally. This gospel, it's in the whole world popping off right now and it's bearing fruit and increasing. It's bearing fruit and increasing. It's like John 15, the vine and the branches. You cannot produce fruit apart from me. Don't let nothing weird get up in here. Don't go get you one of those fake plants or whatever, you understand what I'm saying? Like I got over my shoulder, the joint look cute, but the joint don't got life in it. You get where I'm coming from? It don't got life in it, period. Don't get tricked by it, because it looks cute. Stick to the gospel that bears fruit in the world and it's increasing. And then he goes on, he says, as it also does among you. So he's letting them know this thing is happening in you. Protect it. Like I'm, gonna, like I'm writing this letter to protect it. Y'all protect it. Y'all protect it, brothers and sisters. If you're in the body of Christ, if you have fellowship with other believers, which we're called to, it's not just the role of the pastor or some kind of leader, whoever you esteem like that, to serve, because they're gonna stand over you, to stand under you, serving you, holding you up. But you hold your brothers and sisters next to you up as well. And, and employ Paul's tactic of gracefully, gracefully pointing to truth for them. If you don't know how to have the conversation, pray and ask God. Ask somebody who serves you how you should have the conversation. If you're concerned about how somebody's moving, like, man, I feel like they're getting deceived or slipping away or whatever, or they got caught up in something, get somebody else to help you talk to them. Pray first. Pray. Pray. Ask God for the boldness to do the work. And he says, also, it does among you since since the day you heard it and understood it, the grace of God in truth. It's the two-step for us as a believer. Keep hearing the gospel. Keep reading the gospel. Keep reading the word of truth as he calls it in verse five. Keep the word of truth in front of you. It's not something that just happens to you and then you're good. Keep hearing it and keep understanding it. By God's grace, I have accepted the responsibility that I will always be here plowing through this word, trying to grow more in boldness, trying to hold the truth for whoever he brings in front of me that is a part of this fellowship of believers, of people that have this hope to keep us following this word. I have to, I have to fight to do it for myself with intentionality, holding on to the vine. And I'm going to always preach it to you to be encouraged to do it as well because it's the only hope we have. I don't got nothing else to sell you. 
I don't got no slick stuff. I ain't trying to bring you no, no artificial plant. I'm trying to bring you the real deal of living water. You understand? So he says, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth. And then in verse seven, he wraps it up like this. He says, just as you learned it from Epaphras. Epaphras was the one who had brought the gospel to them, who had preached it to them first. Epaphras is just like you, I, all of us that have this hope in the gospel. Epaphras has responded with intentionality to spread the good news of the gospel. It doesn't have to be inside of an arena. It could be with somebody at the corner store. It could be with somebody at the car wash. It could be with a family member or whatever. It could be through Thanksgiving dinners. It could be slow. It could be fast. It could be you saying, do you want to follow Jesus right now? Or maybe you are just dropping breadcrumbs. Do whatever it is God called you to do, but move in intentionality and ask God to help you. And if you're afraid, tell God you're afraid because we have grace to tell him the truth about everything and be empowered by him. Let him do the work in your heart. Don't go get the work. Let him do the work so it comes out as a fruit. You understand? If you bubbling over with something you're excited about, you can't help but tell people. People love talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrency and everything else because they love the idea of money and increase and prospering. And so they run out and go tell everybody. Do we love the gospel like that? Do we love the gospel like that? I'm talking to myself. What do I get excited about? What drives me? I'm not trying to condemn you in that and I'm not gonna be condemned in that. But I am going to approach that, that question with honesty. And then I'm going to go, God, I feel like some other things have my heart captured. And I don't like that. And I don't think it's proper. Lord, help me. You said you would sanctify me. You said that you would do the work inside of me. You said you would finish what you started in me. The work is this, to believe. The work is to believe. Don't settle for being an artificial plant. You understand? Don't, don't settle for that, for looking right. Go to the Father who waters us and gives health, and we will produce and we will bear fruit. Just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant, he is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf. Epaphras has accepted the calling with intentionality in the Colossians are fruit of his faith in Christ Jesus and has made known to us your love in the spirit. Part of Epaphras' work is that he is taking the, the temperature of the people in Colossae, right? He is taking their temperature and he is reporting it back to Paul. And Paul is turning around and edifying, correcting loving them, being vulnerable. As I tell you about this vulnerability, he's telling them how much he cares, he loves them, he's praying for them. They are not confused about how Paul feels about them. Listen, I'm gonna close with this right here. If you are listening to this message right now, and I pray and I mean this with all sincerity, if you are a follower of Christ and been following Christ, but you know that your temperature ain't been turned up and it's been lukewarm. It's okay. 
God loves you. He loves you. So he's not coming to spank you and rebuke you. He's coming to edify you and tell you to trust in him. Right? Grab a hold of the vine and he will produce the fruit. Don't go act like you're on point. Don't go write a list of things you need to just do better or whatever. Pray and bring it to God and let God build the list of things he wants in your heart. Same thing for everybody who's in this fast with this, this month. It's the reason why I didn't tell you what to go fast. I wanted you to pray and get before God and go, God, what's getting in the way of me going like this with you? Whatever it is, you show it to me. Help me be honest about it, right? My wife will tell me sometimes, like, babe, I feel like you're on social media too much. I'd be like, nah, yo, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, nah, really, I'm on there. I'm like learning new things or whatever, the way I use it. And then she'd be like, babe, let's look at your screen time. And then I'd just be like, yeah, you're right. You get where I'm coming from? Like, I'm like, yeah, that's screen time. Tell the whole deal. Let God tell the whole deal on you. But don't be condemned because God didn't come to condemn. He chastises those he loves. He wants, he wants to see you grow. So, like, let's lean in with intentionality. We got a good father. You understand? He want to edify us. Like Paul is edifying them here. God sees all the beautiful things in you. He put them in you. He wants to produce more. But it only produced through Jesus Christ. People here that's, that's listening right now, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, listen to me. I came to Christ 20 years ago on my way to go blow somebody's head off for a revenge situation. And he stopped me dead in my tracks and saved me. I have no idea why, but it was his grace. It was a gift. I still am baffled to this day why he would do it. I understand why and what he wants me to do, but like why me being so undeserving? God loves you so much. He sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for your sins. He took everything that you might be ashamed of, the stuff that's known, the stuff that's hidden, stuff you don't even know that's filthy and foul. And he released his wrath for it because God hates evil because he's holy, he's pure, and he's just, and he's perfect. And I don't know how he stomachs our personal sin or our corporate sin as a world and the injustice and hatred and, and just the terrible stuff that spews out of us as human beings. We'd be right to destroy us, but he doesn't. He takes that and he put that wrath on his own son who was perfect sinless, undeserving. He was a sacrifice for our sins, for your sins. So Jesus, who is perfect, God now gives you his resume as perfect. When you stand before the Lord, you don't come up there talking about how many people you fed or things you thought were good. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man, but the end thereof is death. Yo, if you try to work this out on your own, homie, you're going to be in a jam, I promise you. But God already figured it out. And there's only one way, one truth, one path. It's Jesus Christ. It's the death, it's the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, a gift to me and you. So I urge you today through this 
computer screen, your phone, whatever you're looking through, stop right now. You don't have to say no deep prayer. Just say, God, I don't even understand this, but God, I repent. Will you come inside of my heart and save me? I confess my sins. I know I don't deserve it, but Father Lord, I receive the gift of Jesus Christ that you give to sinners. People who are dead and your enemy. The Bible says that he actually saves his enemies. So if you're, in the, if you're on the other side of this message right now and you don't know him, God loves you. It's not a mistake. It's not by chance. It's ordained by the sovereignty and power of the creator of the whole entire universe. That's what I want to tell you today. I pray for you. I pray for you. If you respond to this, you 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 message me, you hit up the Ville.church, you hit up Jay Harris on social media, whatever. Holler at me and let me know in the message, homie, and I'll pray with you, brother, sister, whoever you are. That's it for the day, y'all. I love y'all. Ville Church, that's Colossians 1. Make sure y'all eat and feast on this thing or whatever and take notes, all right? I love y'all. Thank you so much for being with me today. I bless you, church. I bless you, everybody who's listening. Peace.